Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. So, if you have missed the last couple of weeks, we have been on a journey to find out more about the New Testament. The New Testament, we discovered, first begins with the story of Jesus. And so we looked at, like, who was Jesus? What did He teach? What did He do? Who was He? And as we begin to look at the New Testament, we understood that the Gospels, which are the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John tell the story about Jesus. Now, when you open your book, you're, you just open it anywhere in your Bible, you're probably going to go to the Old Testament because the Old Testament is actually makes up more of the Bible than the New Testament. But on about page, I think it's 904 in my Bible, starts the New Testament. It's broken into two different Testaments. Now, the Old Testament, just to make it really simple, is before Jesus lived. All right, And the New Testament is Jesus' life, and then after he lives, it talks about how Jesus lived, moved, and breathed, and then how we are to act now that he has come and died as our Lord. And so what we did is we finished up talking about Jesus, and then we moved on to Paul. So last week, we talked a little bit about Paul. But the biggest mountain that Paul had to climb was the mountain about the law. Because he was speaking to Gentile believers who didn't have the law. So how are they now to interact with the Old Testament that they did not have? He was going to speak place after place after place, and what the people wanted to know was, how do we go about obeying this Old Testament law? And here's what he said. If you want to learn more about this, we can't go into like all the depth of it today, but I want to encourage you, last week we talked a whole lot about the law and how it relates to us. So go back and listen to last week's message if you missed it, okay? If that's something that you want to know about Old Testament law. What you're going to do is go to Epiphany Movement Podcast, just type that up, and it'll be, it'll be Paul chapter 2 is what it will be, all right? Paul, the last message. Or you can go on Facebook and watch it that way. It's just harder to, it's harder to hear, okay? And so here's what he said in, in short. Here's what he said. He basically said this, um, that we don't need to obey the law so much because the law doesn't save. It's about following our faith. Here's what he said in, in exact words. He said this, Romans chapter 3, verse 28, So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law, right? This is kind of where we left last week. But he also knew that Miss Amy would have in her mind, okay, well then, if it's all about faith, I'm not going to obey the law then, right? Oh, we don't have to obey that Old Testament stuff. Nah, Paul gets an idea that you would be thinking that, Miss Amy. So here's what he said just for you. Verse 3, 31. He says, well then, if we emphasize faith, then does this mean that we can forget about the law? Like, <laughs> forget the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. He says, of course not. Of course not. In fact, 
Only when we have faith do we truly obey the law. So that's where Paul is going to end. So the question then is, how do we know what God wants us to do? And we follow that by saying that is because we have a conscience inside of us. We have a conscience inside of us. It is a moral God saying you should do this, you should not do this. This is right, this is wrong. We all have that built inside of us. But sometimes we have to get our conscience back online with what God says because they've been off. In fact, there's only one man who has ever lived that had a perfect conscience his entire life. Ours can get off. So then, here's what we should do. When we have a question, the very first thing that we should do, should we do this, should we not do that, should we do this, should we take this job? Because there are a lot of things in life that the Bible doesn't speak specifically about. I'll give you an example. It doesn't speak about um, maybe uh, what political party you should vote for. It doesn't say vote this way or vote this way. It doesn't talk a lot about um, who you should marry. It doesn't give uh, exact you know, marry her, don't marry him. It doesn't say that. And there's tons of, should you gamble? Should you um, drink alcohol occasionally? Should you um, smoke a cigar occasionally? Should you, um, uh, let's see, sh how should you dress? Should you dress modestly? Or, or how, would we are, how are we supposed to relate with entertainment and culture? All these things that the Bible doesn't speak specifically to. Now, some of you in here, your spiritual gift is discernment. And so you're thinking in your mind right now, the Bible does speak to that, Brother Nelson. It really does. Yeah, there we go. It does speak to that. And I would say, yeah, it does. You're right. It speaks to it with the intent to change the way that we think. So the Bible says, here's how you should think about who you should marry. Here's how you should think about what's good. Here's how you should think about politics. Here's how you should think about um, what to wear, how to dress, how to relate to culture. It tells us how to think. And so last week we left off that when we're reading the Bible, the very first thing that we should do is see if we can find it in the Bible. Does the Bible, does the Bible speak to it? So we're going to open our Bibles when we have a question. We're going to look through Matthew, through Mark, through look, what did Jesus teach? We're going to go to Acts. We're going to go to Romans. We're going to look in the Bible and see what does it say, all right? But then, what about when the Bible doesn't specifically say? Here's what we're going to do after that. Here's what Paul said. He said, you know what? You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. That's incredible. And so ask the Spirit of God that is living inside of you, what do you want me to do about X, Y, or Z? And listen and see what He tells you back. See what He puts on your heart. Now there's an important distinction to make. Because once we look in the Scriptures, and maybe we don't find it, I'll give you an exa a, a perfect example. Okay, mom, my mom, she came to me the other day, and I love my mom, but she, she said, Trake, I, I'm nervous because I'm about to quit my job. And she had been working for over 40 years as a nurse, and she was about to stop that and actually go to travel nursing. That's a big decision. I'm like, what, are you serious? She said, that's where the money is, Drake, so I'm following the money. <laughs> that's what she told me. I was like, okay, you do, you mom. 
And so she left Lawrence County Hospital, and now she's in Vermont, and she's up there doing travel nursing. But she said, Drake, I don't know what to do. I've looked in the Bible, and it, did, it doesn't say go to Vermont or don't go to Vermont, right? So she said, I, I, I've looked. I'll let it change the way I think, Drake. And I've been praying about it. I've really been asking God. And here's what she said. She said, I, I haven't heard from God. I've been praying a lot. I just don't have a confident answer. And here's what I said. I said, Mom, that's perfect. You did exactly right. You searched the Word of God. And then you said, God, what do you want me to do? Speak to me with your spirit. And when he doesn't do that, then here's what our job is to do. Our job is then that God gave us the mind, so do the best that we think that we can do. do follow your conscience. Let your conscience be your God. What, is, what do I think that God would have me to do in a situ- certain situation? All right? But the conscience... And the Holy Spirit are different things. This is very important. The conscience and the Holy Spirit are totally different, okay? A lot of people think they're the same, but they're not. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit of what's right and what is wrong, correct? But our spirit, our conscience is just that. It is our idea of what's right and what's wrong. And so sometimes we need to correct that and line it up with Christ. And I gave you the example, if you remember, I wrote the Tootsie Roll wrapper, and I put it on my best friend's uh, car, and I said, learn how to drive, bro. You remember that? And then, so he saw it, he was mad. I was like, I don't know who did that, bro, you know? He said, okay. And then I was laughing. I was like, oh, I got you. And this went on for months, and he was thinking, oh, who put this on my car? I never told him. I said, no, I don't know who did that. And then I read in the Bible that said, you know what? If you lie to your friend, and he calls you out on it, and you're just like, I was just joking. Woe to you. So what did I have to do? I had to say, okay, Braxton, it was me. I'm the one that put it on there. And I, and I, I this is what I read in the Bible, so this is why. I actually called him last Sunday and said, I spoke about you in church today. I hope that's okay. And he laughed. He said, you told him the two-year-old story. I said, I did. <laughs> but that's the point. The point is that we have to align our consciences sometimes with what the Bible says, what God's Spirit says. And when we pray on that, just do the best that we can. We have a huge decision to make, right? That's where we left off. So we're on this journey to understand what Paul did. Now, I have a map up here. I want you to take a look at this, okay? So this is the very first missionary journey that Paul took. And the way I like to remember it is that Paul, on his first missionary journey, went from Antioch to Antioch because Antioch, of Syria was Paul's hometown. That's like where he was based out of. If you're wondering, like, where's Antioch on here? I don't see it. It's actually right here on the right. Um, I think we have a shot where we zoomed in on it. Yeah, right there, Antioch of Syria. You can see it. That was Paul's hometown. That's where he stayed. And so he would go from Antioch all the way up to Antioch or Poseidon. And that's his first missionary journey. And he brought along with him a guy by the name of Barnabas. And Paul, being a new Christian, and Barnabas, being a new Christian, they said, you know what? We're about to strike out. We're about to go visit all these people and just witness to them. And that's what they did. And they stayed gone a couple of months. And then they get back after being gone. And they are so fired 
up. They get back to Antioch, their home church, and they're like, we've been going for like six months, bro. And guess what happened? We, we, we talked to each other and we talked to a bunch of people and they all came to believe in Jesus. I mean, not all of them, but a good amount of people, they believe in Jesus now. This is amazing. So the whole city of Antioch is just super, super, super excited for Paul and Barnabas. And then in their excitement, they stay there for a couple more months, having a successful journey. And they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take one more missionary journey. So Paul looks at Barnabas, and Barnabas looks back at Paul, and they say, let's go. And so now they take off, and the second missionary journey was an absolute disaster. It was a disaster. We have it on the screen where they went to. Um, you see their home base right here in Antioch, over here on the right. They went all the way, actually, to a little town called Corinth, which is all the way on the left. So that's how you can have an idea, Antioch to Corinth this time. And you're like, why don't you say it was a disaster? Maybe disaster isn't the right word. Maybe just difficult. Just to mention a couple of things. Even before it got started, Barnabas and Saul had a, or Paul had a huge argument. They split. Paul took Silas and Luke and they went. And their first stop that they got, they got stoned. Then they got put in prison. Then they got beaten with wooden rods. Then they got stoned again to the point that they thought Paul actually died. Then they thought, oh, well, you're dead. They left. Paul rises up, goes back into town, preaches again, gets put back in prison. And this goes on and on and on and on and on until Paul gets to Corinth. And when he gets to Corinth, he's worn out. Him and Silas both. He says, we're about to leave. So after their about two and a half year journey, they go back to Antioch. And when they get back to Antioch, they are actually licking their wounds. Like, I'm serious. They were letting all their bones heal, their cuts heal, their bruises heal. And as they are beginning to heal... Here's what they start to do. They start to write these letters. And Paul says, you know what? I want to write to the churches that I have visited already. So he writes a book to the people of Corinth, and he writes a book to the people of Galatia. And then after a long time, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how long, but it does say that it was a really long time that Paul stayed at Antioch getting better. And after he wrote, he said, you know what I want to do? I want to go back. What faith ain't that, right, Miss Glenda? What faith? He says, I want to go back. I mean, think about the magnitude of that. Two and a half years, he went and got beat, put in prison, and then he finally gets back, and you're like, thank God, I'm done with that. And he says, you know what, I'm going back. I'm going back to share the gospel. And I just want to stop right here and, and say, say this. You're like, when's he about to explode? I'm going to maybe in a little while. But <laughs> you see, we're going to 26 and we're going to do missions. We're going to a lot of different places. And missions is going to be awesome. It really will. It, it, we're going to change lives. Um, people are going to get some water that we can get used. Um, 
Mr. Tim's going to fix some people's cars that they literally don't have any way to go from A to B, and he's going to be an asset to them. We've got a, a, a deck that we're going to build. We have a lot of important things that we're going to do, but none more than sharing the gospel with everybody that we're going to be in contact with. And don't forget that. Don't skip out on the gospel. Lend a hand. But when you have an opportunity to share your faith, share it. Encourage someone if that's what it is. Give someone your testimony if that's what it is. Share a Bible verse if that's what it is. Don't miss those opportunities. And so now Paul is going back on a third missionary journey. And it goes good, but it's the same thing. He goes from Antioch. Um, thank you, Griff. He goes from Antioch, you can see it over here on the right, and he goes all the way to Corinth, same exact place. He, he went the same exact trail. Only difference is this time he goes through Ephesus. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. And he gets all the way to Corinth, and it does go better. And he gets in Corinth, and the believers there have a huge question for Paul. Huge question for Paul. And here's the question. It goes something like this. They say, Paul, we have read some of your Old Testament teachings that, that you believe, and it says that we're not supposed to eat food sacrificed to idols. But that is the only food, the only meat that we have in Corinth. So what are we supposed to do? We don't know what to do. Just to give you a backdrop, in that time, what, here's what would happen, okay? They had a huge temple in Corinth, and all the meat would come in to the temple, and it was like their butcher shop. What's a butcher shop around here? I don't know. Um, um, Sam's, okay, yeah. Okay, it was like Sam's, right? Or, or Costco, Griff, right? Where, you know, Griff shops. <laughs> okay, so you go into Costco, and that's where you bought all your food in the temple, and that's where they cut your meat up for Valentine's Day banquet. That's the only place that you could shop. And then after they got through cutting the meat up at the temple, they would sometimes they would give it to the, the people of the marketplace, and you could buy it in the marketplace, but it was first sacrificed and cut up in the temple. All the meat. All of it. Unless you killed it yourself. And so the people either aren't going to eat meat, or they're going to eat meat in this temple. And so now they have a legitimate question for Paul. Paul, what do we do? What do we do? We don't know what to do. What do you say? And Paul is going to look at them. He's going to answer. And his answer is found in 1 Corinthians 8. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. 1 Corinthians 8 is his answer. He wrote the exact same thing in Romans 14. If you are taking notes and you want to put Romans 8 equal to um, no, 1 Corinthians 8 equal to Romans 14, you can. But today we're going to be in Romans 8. And here's what he says. It's beautiful. Once again, we're, we're trying to, Paul is about to answer the question, can we eat food sacrificed to an idol? Here's what he says. Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. He says, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. To which I look at you, this church, 
And I say, you are some of the smartest people I've ever been in contact with. You know, like, I thought that I was, like, coming to a church and I would be, like, smart, you know, like, walking around, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm smart. You have a question? Ask me. I'll answer it. And then I got here, and I'm like, I'm dumb. I have questions. I ask you, you know? So he says, you have knowledge. But, he says, while knowledge makes us feel important, I, I, I felt pretty important when I graduated. I was like, yeah. You know? He says this. Wow, get this. I mean, come on. If you think this is true, let me hear you. He says, but knowledge, it makes us feel important. But get this. It is love that strengthens the church. It is love that strengthens can I have, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you this. Can I have like three volunteers? I get like three volunteers from the crowd, um, but not everybody at once. Okay, Miss Leanna, come on up here. I saw you. It's like, oh, I got it. Okay, um, I need two more. Two more volunteers from the crowd. Mr. Bo, come on up. And then I need one more. One more. Um, one more volunteer right here. Yeah, I need one more volunteer. I couldn't do that. Okay. Um, anybody else want to say? Yeah, you can drag. Okay, Mr. John, thank you so much. All right, very good. Okay. Um. Very good. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll get over here. Here we go. All right. State your name, weight, and age. Okay, no? <laughs> State your name, weight, and age. Okay, that's just, I'm just kidding. Okay, so thank you for coming, by the way. Love y'all. Thank y'all for coming. All right, so here's what we got. I want y'all to hold hands, if y'all would. Just get in a circle and then all hold hands. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. Yeah, Bo kind of, we're kind of, hold on, wait. We're matching, Bo. That's really cool. Whoa. All right. So here's what I want you to do, right? They're all holding hands. Everybody's hunky-dory. They're in love, right? Yeah, they love each other, okay? Mr. John, do you love Mr. Bo? No. No, okay. All right. Well, this is not going to be a good demonstration. All right, but let's just pretend, right? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, Mr. John, we're going to give you all these commentaries. So we're just going to puff you up with knowledge about the Bible. You know what you, he, he knows what he believes about the rapture. He knows what he believes about when Jesus is coming back. He knows what he believes um, about all these different topics in the Bible. He knows what he believes. He can define the Trinity for you. He knows what he believes about Calvinism and Arminianism. He knows what he believes all about all these different discussions. And that's why he teaches Sunday school so brilliantly, right? And so here's what I want you to do. I'm about to drop these, but I want you to catch them, okay? So here, so, so you got to catch them all. Ready? Ready? Okay. Okay, that was, okay, okay. We'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep, we'll keep going, okay? You are supposed to catch them, but let's, let's keep going, okay? So we'll give, um, uh, okay. Okay. No, no, no. It didn't work. Okay, here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought I would drop them, and he would let go of their hand and catch them. I was like, ha-ha, I got you. But then he, like, I don't know how he caught them and then still held their hands. So it didn't work, but let, we'll keep going, and we'll see. Okay, I, Griff, thank you so much. I went shopping the other day with Griff, and he said, you know what you should buy? You should buy a copy of the American Constitution. 
So I bought one. <laughs> I got one. So here's what we're about to give. We're about to give Miss Leanna a copy of the U.S. Constitution. So we're going to say she knows exactly what she believes, what party she's going to vote for. She knows everything, whether she is for or against the COVID vaccination versus non-vaccination. She can give you all the details over whichever one she is for, why or why not mask are very useful. She can tell you all she wants to about President Joe Biden, and she can tell you all that she wants to about former President Trump. She can tell you everything you want to know. It has facts to back it up about politics and the U.S. government. So here's what I want you to do. You can do it like out there. And then catch this one, okay? Ready? Oh, yeah, she did it. Okay, very good. Oh, they're not holding hands no more. Okay, woo. All right, and then um, here's some stuff. Um, these are actually books on Harry Potter, so yeah, there's, there's that. And then we're going to give these to um, Bo. And let's say, oh, let's see, like, oh, yeah, okay, you caught them too, very good. So let's say that Bo is holding on very strong to, he knows what he thinks about culture and entertainment and things that you should and shouldn't watch, things that you should and shouldn't read. He knows about everything you should wear and you shouldn't wear. He is up and up about entertainment and what you should and should not do about as Christians, okay? So we have Mr. John, super smart about theology. We have Miss Leanna, super smart about politics. And we have Mr. Bo, super smart and super knowledgeable about what you should or shouldn't do in the entertainment industry as a Christian. They all have their beliefs, right? But they're not holding cans anymore. And, what, and what, what Paul is saying is that it's, not, it's okay to have your beliefs. It's okay to have your beliefs. It's okay to have your thoughts. But he says, don't hold on tighter to your thoughts about what is right or what is wrong than you hold on to love. So now y'all can hold hands again. He says, first, first, Hold on to each other. First you love. First you love one another. And then from loving each other, you have your beliefs which you hold on to, but not over the way that you love each other. Do you understand? Do you see that in the text? Let's give them a round of applause. Thank y'all so much. So your conscience does work. You do feel certain ways, but above all, love should be what you lift up and what you elevate. Thank y'all so much. All right. So let's keep on reading. Verse 4. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Um, we're going to go in verse 4. So what about eating meat then that has been offered to idols? Well, we know that an idol is not really a god and that there is only one true god. Therefore, there may be many so-called gods both in heaven and on earth. And some people actually worship Many gods and many lords, but for us, there's only one God, the Father, by whom all things are created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created by Him and for Him. Verse 11 says, However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking idols as being real. So when they eat food that 
as, um, that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of the real gods. And their weak conscience, do you see that, is violated. Verse 8, it's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. We don't gain anything if we do. Verse 9, but, but, you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? Then he says, so, verse 11, because of your superior knowledge, a weaker believer, a weak believer for whom, in that translation is a new believer, for whom Christ died, will be destroyed. And when you sin against another believer by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So here's his conclusion, all right? So then, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again so long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Do you see that? What Paul wrote. What His answer. His answer was this. It's not wrong to eat the idols, to eat the food, to, to eat the meat that was sacrificed to the idols. It's just meat. God sees it as just meat. But, 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 you have freedom, he says. You have freedom to do that. But if what I do, if by me eating the meat causes someone else to stumble, I'm not going to eat the meat. I'm not going to do this, okay? So let me apply this to all of our lives now. Is there something that we have freedom to do in Christ, but it's causing someone else to stumble? To that, Paul would say, it is wrong for you to do it. I'll never eat meat again if it causes someone else to stumble. The best example of this that I can give is that, um, so when I was in high school, there, there, uh, this is a terrible example, but we'll go with it. Um, we used to go to, the, there were these parties, right, in high school. And I was like ninth grade, I think I was 10th grade, I was playing on the tennis team, and I was also playing on the baseball team at that time, and the golf team, and um, everything. And like, I was the only person in our whole high school that did this stuff, and so naturally, I think I got invited to a lot of like the so-called like parties. I don't think that they were very cool, but you know, I would get invited to them. And uh, I remember this one girl, her name was Kim. She was a senior, and I was like uh, a, a lot younger. And she said, Drake, you want to come to this party with, with everybody? And my dad was right there. Like, I was like, it's me and then my dad. And, um, and I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to go. And so we go and eat McDonald's because that's what my dad always brought us. He was like, what you want on your McDouble, son? That was always the question. It wasn't, you didn't order number one or number three with dad. Dollar menu, what you want, you know? And so we was eating at McDonald's, and he brought it up to me. He said, Drake, I don't understand. Why didn't you go to the party, you know? Like, like, you didn't have to drink or you didn't have to participate in, but you could have been there with everybody, and you would have had a good time with your friends. And I said, you may be right, Dad. You may be right. But my response was this. Do you know that I speak in first priority like every week? And I'm speaking to church, to the youth group, and what if somebody 
there saw me at the party. Couldn't that, be, couldn't that cause them to stumble in their faith? Well, if he's doing this, then I can. I might as well go and have sex before marriage if he's doing that. I might as well go and live it up if he's doing that, right? And so I said, I don't want, I'm free. You're right. I could go to the party and not do anything. Be, be, I'm perfectly free to do that. But because I love other believers, I'm not going to do, why? And that's just a silly little example. I, I, I don't know, it's, it's terrible. But do you see how we can extrapolate that into our, all of our lives? If there's something that we have freedom to do that's going to cause another brother or sister to stumble, then don't do that. Then don't do that. Paul says, never again, never again will I eat meat. So this has been our talk on conscience. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a lot. We have really studied a lot about the life of Paul. Hopefully some things that you've never heard before. Hopefully some renew, some fresh things that you've already known, all right? So just to tell you what I was going to tell you, tell, tell you, and then tell you what I told you, that's what my communication teacher always used to tell us to do. Let me review. Let me review. When we have a question, first go to the Scriptures. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit through prayer. If we don't hear something, do what we think is best, all right? And if something is we feel adamantly about something, very adamant, very passionately, don't put that above loving others. So let love be what binds us all together. And then thirdly, if then, if then, we have complete freedom to um, um, enjoy watching you pick, your show on television. We have complete freedom to do that. We don't feel convicted about it at all. Holy Spirit hasn't convicted us. But it's causing someone else to sin or you can put in the dot, right? You can put in the dot. Then we probably don't need to do it, right? That's what Paul is saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Let's pray and then Mr. David will come and lead us through song. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, I pray that you would speak and move, God, that, that, that there would be some things in our own lives that we may need to examine. I don't know. Um, some, some, maybe our kids are watching us or our family or some of our friends are watching us do something that may be causing them to sin. So God, I pray that we'd be observant and we'd have a watchful eye so that we can see those and pray about those things, God. And I pray that you would bring conviction where you want us to have conviction. I pray that you would bring a clean, clear conscience where, where you want us to have a clean and clear conscience as at as well, God. We love you and we believe that all things are done through you and for your good and for your glory, God. In your name I pray. Amen and amen.